are listening to The Jasmine Star Show. I'm your host, a photographer and business strategist from Newport Beach, California. Today, I am going to do something that I have never done before on the podcast. If you're new here, prepare your heart because I'm about to geek out about business and get into high-level strategy for small business owners. So are you intrigued yet? Okay. If you're still listening and you haven't swiped away, please know that I am going to be open and honest about the inner workings of our business. I'm going to walk you through Social Curator's biggest launch, not to talk about bottom line promotional revenue, but to talk openly and vulnerably about what we did to grow, even when things weren't working our way. Now, I am sharing this because I hope you can learn from our mistakes. And yes, we made some missteps. And yeah, maybe you could also learn from the successes and use them in your business. Okay. My husband, JD, and I are founders of a social media marketing platform called Social Curator, and you are going to get a behind-the-scenes look at Social Curator's most recent launch. Now, before I get into snippets from our team's private calls and specific numbers for those who are interested, I want to back up and explain what a launch actually looks like for Social Curator. So, we are typically in closed enrollment. This means that people cannot join Social Curator whenever they want. When we are in a launch, we're referring to a period of time, usually a week, that we are open for enrollment and actively welcoming new members. Okay, so now that you know how we launch, I'm going to also explain that our launch, we typically go through three phases. We have the pre-launch, we have a launch, and we have post-launch. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to break these three down and then explain what they look like in our business and then see if you can contextualize it for your business. So pre-launch phase. This pre-launch phase begins months prior to opening enrollment. This includes things like writing emails, announcing the upcoming masterclass. Don't worry, I'm going to get more on that in a moment. Um, This period also, we are creating social media graphics to post during the launch, planning social media posts, preparing the masterclass, and things like that. It's also time when we begin running Facebook and Instagram ads to our warm audience. So a warm audience, those are people who follow me on social media or are on my newsletter list, but they haven't joined Social Curator yet. That's what we call our warm audience, people who are familiar with me. We also run ads to our cold audience. Now, our cold audience are people who don't know who I am and they may not know what Social Curator is. We're gonna talk a little bit more about ads later in this episode, but right now, I'm just walking you through what is involved in the weeks leading up to enrollment opening. What I just described is our pre-launch, okay? This is all the stuff we're doing before to prepare us for our success. Now, I'm gonna walk you through the second phase and that's our launch phase, This starts by us opening enrollment to Social Curator, but in order to build trust, the team and I create ways to educate and empower both the warm and cold audiences. The launch phase typically runs Monday through Friday and is kicked off with a free masterclass. This masterclass is, I mean, dare I say it, I believe it's value-packed and it's completely free to anybody who registers and it's held on Zoom. This, like that masterclass that I just referred to, it is my 
favorite part of launching because I really love connecting with business owners in all different types of industries and helping them build their marketing strategy. I love it. I live for it. In fact, you probably heard in the last episode of the Jasmine Star Show pieces of one of the live Q&As from that masterclass. So if you haven't listened to that episode yet, go and check it out after this one because you can actually hear what I'm doing in our value-packed class and then answering questions and building out custom marketing strategies for people on the fly right there and then, folks. So we, it was scary and it was amazing. Okay. So like I said, the launch phase begins on Monday and enrollment closes on a Friday. Throughout the week, I host a few masterclasses, question and answer sessions, and I'm posting plenty of social media content, pushing people to join Social Curator before enrollment closes. Because once enrollment closes, we get into the third phase of our launch. And that is what we call our post-launch phase. Now, this phase starts the moment enrollment closes for Social Curator, and it lasts about two to three weeks after the launch. Yes, y'all, just because you close enrollment, that just means, oh, we start, we're still in this launch phase. Because during this time, our team's number one priority is to welcome our new members and serve them as well as we possibly can. So what does this mean for your business? Well, everybody has a pre-launch phase. That's where you're planning for your success. And then you have your launch phase. That's when you are making an ask for the sale or your promotion and you're driving with bonuses and deadlines. Now, not every business has a post-launch phase, but I can say that every business owner should have a post-sale or post-transaction follow-up. Even if you're selling essential oils or even if you're selling a photography package or even if you're selling group coaching for business. You should have a somewhat of a follow-up to ensure that the people who just invested in your business feel taken care of. So how do we do this on the inside of Social Curator? Our post-launch phase means that our customer success team and our Facebook group administrators are the busiest people on the team because they're answering questions, they're hosting classes, and a lot more. In Social Curator, after every launch, we have what we call kickoff week. Now this week, after we close enrollment, It is a week-long celebration, and we like to call it an educational experience, where myself and the team host five days worth of classes for our new members, and we want them to learn how to use Social Curator, you know, the monthly resources, the community, and for their business. What are we doing during this period? From a business perspective, we are ensuring that our members are set up for success. The more set up for success they are, the more successful our business will be. Our business is in the business of serving and taking care of others. Also, during our post-launch phase, our launch manager and chief operating officer, her name is Jade, she gets to work putting together a launch recap. Now, this is presented to our team about two weeks after the launch with how many members we welcomed, what percentage of our masterclass registrants attended live, what our profit margins look like, and more. Y'all, This right here is where my nerdy side comes out. I love looking at the numbers in our business and determining what went well and what didn't go so well. And that is exactly what we're going to discuss today. I wanted to make sure that we're on the same page, that you understand the terminology that we use and you understand how we framework our launches and determining what is truly a success. Now that we're on the same page about what a launch looks like, we can talk more openly about the behind the scenes of this particular launch. For context, the launch I'm referring to occurred October 5th through the 9th, 
2020. We were in our pre-launch phase all of September, and then we began running ads in late September, driving people to the masterclass. After the launch was over, our post-launch phase began with the doors closing to Social Curator on October 9th, and then we concluded with kickoff week, October 16th. What I just gave you was the framework for the pre-launch, the launch, and the post-launch. So you might be saying, well, how did it go, Jasmine? And if you didn't gather from the title of this episode, it went great. I can confidently say that our fall 2020 launch of Social Curator was the biggest launch we've ever had, but it didn't come without its fair share of challenges. And we're going to talk about those, but we can't talk about challenges without first covering our goals. Our goals for this launch were lofty. Yes, I could totally admit it. They were big, but here's the real talk. In the past, I hadn't dreamed big enough for Social Curator. Like this is just me and you having a real chat right now. I would set goals that were hard to reach. They were hard, but they weren't too crazy. I would tell my mentor, James, and other peers in like the business space like about my goals and they would say, those are great goals, but they kind of feel very same as like your last launch. And I would be like, yeah, 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 I know, but it's slightly bigger. Now, James would say, when are you gonna let yourself be pushed Like, when are you going to push yourself? But I was scared. I'm just going to be 100% honest with you because if you're listening to this podcast, I know you're my homie and I'm talking to my people. And I can admit, it's scary putting big goals out there. I was scared to dream too big, right? Like, what if I dreamt too big and then I would feel disappointed that we didn't hit the mark? Um, Like, I would scale back what I wanted to do because I didn't want to look crazy or have like too high hopes in front of my team. I falsely told myself that I set these big goals and if we didn't hit them, well, then the team would feel bad. And maybe the team doesn't want to like participate because we can't hit our goals, like which is crazy. And it took me going through this launch to realize that the team wants to support people. The team isn't here to win an invisible game. I wanted to set us up for success and I felt like setting more attainable goals was the way to do that. And this is me telling you that was wrong. But also in October, 2019, we went on a team retreat and one of our team members, her name is Felicia, she made us all buttons and the buttons had said, we always hit our goals. It was like a mantra with the team. It was kind of like swag, like, oh, hey, we always hit our goals. And I loved it. But at the same time, I'm like, if we're always hitting our goals, our goals aren't big enough. And I knew it a year before the October 2020 launch because this launch was different. Because I realized that setting up more attainable goals wasn't setting us up for success, it was actually setting us up for failure by not pushing ourselves to push past the standard metrics and go above and beyond what we've done before, we would never truly succeed because success comes to those who dream big and it comes to those who put in the work and fall on our faces and get up and keep going. But I just wanna make sure that you notice that middle part, okay? Because what I just said is fall on our faces. Yeah, we can't succeed without the messy middle. So in this launch, instead of setting modest goals, I aimed high. Like We have this term on our team where we call it our 
good, better, and best, right? Like our lunch would be good if we did this and it would be better if we did that. And it would be the best lunch we've ever done if we did this. So our good, better, best goals for the October 2020 launch were 3,000 new members would be good. 3,750 new members would be better. And 4,500 would be the best launch. Now in the past, the very most people that we've ever welcomed in one launch was 3,002 new members. Okay, up until this point, our biggest launch of all time was 3,002 new members. So just imagine our lowest goal was the highest we've ever done, you know? So to set the bar that high for our good goal, it was intense. Like I can tell you it was intense. I knew it, my team knew it. I remember announcing those goals on a team meeting We had this call in September and half of the team's mouths just like opened in shock. I was like, y'all, pick your jaws up off the floor. We had never dreamed this big before and I knew I wasn't the only one who was scared. But we went into this launch with our eyes and mouths wide open, ready to take on whatever life threw at us because we were gonna do it together. Now, for the first time ever in our team's history, Our goals weren't purely monetary or getting a lot of members on the inside of our community. We had other important goals too. Here's a clip from our pre-launch meeting when I asked the team a bit of unusual question from what I normally ask. And I hope that you take what we discuss and learn from it too. So Jaden Garo beautifully articulated both arms of what the launch will be. Like anything in my life, I like to go into a project or a thing, see the vision that has been casted beautifully by Garo and Jade, and then I want to create my own launch strategy. But I do this for all types of things in my life. If I go on vacation, if I go to a conference, I want to have my own experience as defined by me to create a barometer. As you guys probably know, big, big bent on growth mindset. And so we know what the launch vision is. But my personal strategy, the thing I'm going to repeat to myself from here until October 10th, is that anything is possible. I have been saying that again and again and again. And so this is my invitation. If you have never created your own strategy as you go into anything in life, like this would be a really fun time to experiment with what it could look like. So the question becomes, as you begin to create your own journey, as you go into segmented times, is to ask yourself, What do you want? And you can make a list of a lot of things, but what would behoove us was for you to pick one thing. What do you want? And depending on where you are in your life and journey right now, it can mean a lot of different things. Some people might want to lose five pounds. Some people might want to reconcile a relationship with a parent. Some people might want to find an an extra way to side hustle, whatever it is. So asking yourself, what do you want? Now, as you actually identify and vocalize what it is that you want, I am going to remind that many of us, myself included, is that we use the past to dictate what we can do in the future. So if you have tried to lose five pounds and it didn't work, you're like, oh, I tried that before. If you have tried reaching out to a parent and it didn't respond, oh, that's the same thing that's gonna happen again. And then all of a sudden you start limiting yourself before you actually put 100% of the effort in it. And we have to understand that the past has no bearing on what we can do in the future. And my personal journey, the thing that I want, I want to believe that anything is possible. 
even if in the past it hasn't worked in that exact way. So for example, I could use the past and say the biggest launch we've ever done is 3,002 new members. But that has no bearing on how many people we can welcome in the future. I'm not going to look back at what we've done in the past. I'm just going to leave space for what I really ultimately want. Because when you know that something is possible, you start living from that reality. You start making decisions as if on October 10th, I'm just like, wow, guys, it was 4,500. We knew it the entire time. And what happens is that when you start believing and living that from a place that it is possible, your behavior changes as a result. Small example, when we have our sneak peek for the social curator site, there is a video that says, this is a sneak peek video. This is what you're looking at. We're closed for enrollment at this time. And Kato and Jade had a great suggestion of saying, Jasmine, you need to record that video because as we point people to it in the middle of it, we're not enclosed enrollment. We're in open. And so to speak directly to, we're in open enrollment, this is just a sneak peek. Those small changes along the journey are saying, I'm making every small decision because I'm living as if that it is a possibility. That in order for us to meet our goals, we must change behaviors. But if you secretly think that something is impossible, that the losing the weight, reconciling with a parent, pursuing out a poem, a book, a post, if you secretly think it's impossible, the tiniest bit, you're not going to do what's necessary to actually make it happen. You're going to consciously and unconsciously impact that. And the thing was, it's not as if it was impossible. It's that you made it impossible because you didn't give yourself 100% to what it could be. So this means that we have to practice our beliefs daily and map our actions to the possibility. So if it is losing weight, it comes back down to counting calories and exercising. If it is reconciling with a parent, it is actually writing a letter, sending an email, picking up the phone and believing on the daily that you're going to get the strength to do what it is that you need to do. And then our actions need to map our desires. I am believing that something impossible is possible because I'm believing that anything is possible. But if anything is possible, the social curator team will have to become something we've never been before to get a different result. We must do things that we haven't done in the past to change what we want in the future. And I have to tell you that it blows me away. <sighs> the way that this team has showed up in the past three months blows me away. I think, um, I move so fast that I sometimes pause and don't say thank you enough. Um, the growth team, what we have launched since May to this day, we have got 52,000 new leads. That comes on the back of our copywriters, our videographers, our podcasters, the production team. Last week in the middle going into a launch, I'm like, hey, production team, let's just change the November issue and push it back and let's just start. And everybody said, Okay, the tech team, oh, let's just migrate a few thousand people right before launch and beta test it. The support team, I, don't, I could just drop the mic because we all saw the work that Garo and the CST team is doing. The community team, shout out to Paige and Megan because we're just gutting the thing and we're in the middle of gutting it. Why? Because what got us here is not going to get us to where we want to go. So the social curator team has to be different to do something different. And I'm watching this and I'm saying, we already won that what we have done to this point, regardless of who comes in, we freaking won. I want to say thank you because this new way 
of doing things is preparing us for the new social curator. Having conversations with my mentor and our CFO, Andrew, he asked us straight out, what are you doing this year? What are you doing next year? And I just, it felt so freaking good to be like, this is it. We're going. And whatever happened in the past, we're shedding it like an old skin. So this goes back to where we started the conversation. And that's to ask, what do you want? And I don't want to get things personal, and I won't take things personal. But I do think that this exercise would help you focus on those things because whatever it is you want, reconciliation, a relationship, weight loss, anything, a thought formed within you can't exist without the probability of existence simultaneously being created. I didn't wake up this morning and say, you know what, I want to be in the WNBA. The existence is not simultaneously being created. I did wake up this morning and think to myself, we're going to have 11,500. Why? Because it's being simultaneously mapping to the thing that has already been put in my brain. The reality already exists as a probability because it was already in us. The thing you want to do or have or be, it's already in you, which is what's bringing up that desire. It was put there for you to have the thought and then map your actions to it. But the reason why we stop ourselves is because we run from the doubt. I am telling you, it does make me uncomfortable to talk and say we're gonna have 11,500 because if for some reason we only bring in 1,000, I'm like, oh, but the doubts are the team's gonna think they chose the wrong team. What if it doesn't happen? What if it doesn't work? But instead of dwelling in that and walking in with it, we're saying we did everything we could to get the result and that is the success. Because it's not whether you're capable of losing weight or reconciling or starting a relationship. It's whether you're willing to give what it takes to do what is necessary to get the result you want. So from a professional perspective, I'm looking at the team and all I have seen is willingness. The reason you're on this team is because you're freaking capable. But what you're giving blows us away because you're doing what it takes to be necessary to believe and act as if anything is possible. So as we go into the launch, I am choosing to dwell in possibility. I am choosing to dwell that the right amount of people are going to come into the membership because who we were in September is not going to be who we are in October. So as a soft exercise, I would love to know, what do you want from the launch? You probably would want things on a personal capacity. But my question to you is, I have my personal journey for the launch. And I want to start bringing on the team to dwell from a place of abundance and growth. And I'm going to ask you a question, what do you want? Now, there is no right or wrong. Maybe you, what you want from the launch is to hit your metrics. Maybe what you want from the launch is to show up differently. Maybe what you want from the launch is just to do your job. There's no right or wrong. But if we don't have a target or a goal, we'll never know if we hit it. So what do you want going through the launch? On October 10th, you wake up and you say, this launch was really great because what? Does anybody want to share? All right, Daniel. Yes, son. Yes. <laughs> All right. Yeah, I got a few things. I mean, they're, they're kind of site related, but I think first off, a more engaging and impressionable website. That's always something that I felt like when, when I land on, you know, any service on the internet, something that always grabs my attention is like the way the website is designed, 
and also kind of you can tell when they've put thought into the way users are going to interact with the website but in a bit in a bit of shorter term what i like to get out of the launch is also just positive reception from users i want to see what they think i want to see how they react to it and i want to see how they engage with it and obviously an issue free launch that'd be amazing <laughs> i love this i love this i love this i love this anybody else want to go Yep, go ahead, Paige. Um, okay, so I wrote two things down. Um, one, just to be present. I feel like I really struggle with um, like not being in the moment and being like, oh my gosh, next week, like I have to work on these things or maybe this is happening in my personal life or whatever, but like I wanna just be able to be fully present and just like glean everything that I can from those moments and not be like, oh my gosh, like a few hours till I'm off the clock and can turn off this brain. Um, and then my other one is to connect. So to like, just feel like I'm able to connect like right away with these new curators coming in, um, as well as connect like more with the team, um, just in like deeper ways um, and just come alongside them and serve in new ways that we haven't done yet. So those are my two. Jade? Um, so kind of along those lines of being present, I, this launch, want to be really in tune with like each action that we're taking a day, like the results that it's bringing on the back end. Because I feel like, you know, launch is just, it's a, whirl, a whirlwind a lot of times. And I think that I just want to be better in tune with paying attention and tracking like what results we're seeing every day. Like, what did we do? We went live, we sent an email, we did this and we saw X. Um, just to like guide our launches in the future. And I'm also really excited for this launch. We have like a whole new leads tracking system that is kind of being implemented right now. So I'm really looking forward to just being able to see a clear distinction between, hopefully, a clear distinction between what ads is bringing us and what our organic efforts bring us. So that'd be great if it works. That, that'll make me feel good about the whole launch. So we'll round this out. We'll go Megan, Tammy, and Yadi. So for me, this is my third launch. And something that someone shared with me last night was when you don't practice and you just show up, it's like showing up to the game without practicing that feeling. Like you might hit, have some hits and you might have some misses, but the more you practice, then it becomes muscle memory. So I feel like with my third launch now with the team, I'm starting to now get out of a more reactive state of like do, 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 and more of a responsive state of like, oh, I know now how to track. Um, so the things that I wrote down were like more feelings words. So like if I could come out of launch with feelings, there is one item that I'm going to request. But I said teamwork, communication, ease, rest to show up. Because I think sometimes in the past, like I burn out really fast and then go right into kickoff week, just being like, oh, I want to run away. So like rest, ease, flow, transparency, communication, pizza, uh, organization and then Cabo. So that would be, that's what I'm hoping. So I'm going to post this list up. Mine are very similar to actually what Megan said in page, but I think mine is like connecting with the team is like a, definitely a big one. Okay. So hi everyone. Um, so for me personally, I want to grow in confidence and knowledge. Um, I'll measure that by um, the level of um, system dominations that I get to do by the end of this lunch. So it will depend on pretty much how I can uh, manage all the different platforms that we use. And um, on a professional level, I want to be able to serve curators in a more personal way and make them feel seen and heard. 
I'll do that by streamlining the process to answer resource-oriented questions and implementing a follow-up sequence, which I'll um, have talked to Caro in the past, uh, to make sure they have what they need to succeed. So I believe in my heart that uh, curators are, are wanting to be seen and heard and have a more personal touch between the team and what they need. I want to say um, how much gratitude I feel towards everybody opening. And I feel like if you're carefully watching, we now have a, a point, a touch point to follow up with some of our team members and be like, Jade, how did that tracking go? Like you might not give a rip about it, but you could speak her language. And Daniel, was it responsive in the way that you wanted it? Megan, did you like, were you present? Did you give yourself enough space? Is like all we're simply doing is finding a way to connect in an online virtual team in a human to human way. And again, we haven't done this in the past. Like my, my words are flow and joy for this launch. That's what I'm gonna focus on. And I think you have the ability to connect with people in a, in a real deep way. And if after the launch, you can come back and say, I'm so glad that I knew what I wanted going in. And that's how I felt going out. That's a win. And with that, we dove into the launch and all of the challenges that came with it. The first challenge came when speaking to our ads team about one week before our first masterclass. Because this year we were launching Social Curator during the United States presidential election. Mm, Y'all, I just, when I look back at this, this is the one thing I would have done. I would not have launched so close to a presidential election because what was happening during this time is that Facebook and Instagram prices were much higher due to the demand. So what was happening is that there's a lot of political ads that were running, a lot higher budgets than normal. And so in order for my ad, in order for Social Curator's ads to be seen, we had to be paying a lot more. Now, although we expected a more expensive ad, like Sure, we expected it. We kind of were like, okay, it's gonna be more. We missed the mark on how drastic the price difference would be. So we had said, okay, normally we pay X for an ad on Instagram and Facebook. So we said, it's gonna be busier. So we're gonna do three times increase, right? We're like, it's gonna cost us three times as much because it's gonna be a busier season. So we had a three times increase in our ad spend in comparison to our launch in May, but it wasn't three times as expensive. It was 20 times more expensive. Y'all, like this is where I felt like I got sucker punched. I was like, we can't afford to pay 20 times the cost of ads that we're normally used to spending. It was just way too high. Now, to me, true like wins, like true wins during a launch don't always come from hitting goals. Although hitting goals is important and we have them for a reason, what's more important to me is the small mindset shifts that we make and how we handle the challenges that come up. So we saw that the ads were way too expensive. So the team and I, we pivoted a bit. We radically reduced our ad spend and we did a few things to combat the lack of leads coming in because we knew that we need to have leads coming in because we turn our leads into customers. But if we're not getting the amount of leads that we wanted, we knew that our goals were going to be offset. So as planned during the week, we said, okay, even though we have less leads, I'm still gonna move forward with what I can and get scrappy. 
I hosted three live masterclasses. You probably heard me talk about it on the podcast before. The class was called How to Plan, Create, and Execute a Month of Social Media Post in One Day. Okay, had those classes. But due to the increase in ad prices for the first time, we decided to do something different. Okay, it was suggested to me by my friend. Her name is Britt Siva. She's brilliant. She's amazing. I love throwing ideas around with her. And she's like, I think you should hold additional live Q&As for anyone on the fence about joining Social Curator. And I was like, I love it. Q&As are free. Like, let me go and I'm just gonna pour myself into talking to as many people as possible. Now, I wouldn't necessarily call this like a mistake. It, it was always a good thing. It was always a good learning because there were some people who hopped onto our first Q&A session and they had great questions and many of them became members of it. But as the week went on, like the Q&A, like our attendance became less and less and way less. Again, major lesson learned. I'm going to tell you, I told myself I wasn't going to talk about this. I was like, no one's ever going to know about this. (laughs) But here I am on the podcast sharing it. Okay. So we had this Q&A session. We had it planned and we had instructed our customer success team. These are the amazing team who answers emails and chats and text messages. And they're out there hustling. And I was like, okay, guys, anybody who's interested in social curator, point them to the Q&A. And they're like, okay, Jasmine, but we're doing a pretty good job responding to people's questions and making sure they're taken care of. I was like, no, no, but also tell them about this Q&A. And they're like, okay, so there I am, myself and six members of the social curator team were like, this Q&A is going to be hit. This, this Q&A is going to be huge. It's going to be massive. Like we got to be prepared. Are we all ready? And so then the time comes and we open up this Q&A and we're there on video chat and it's just me and our six team members. And we're just sitting there. Nobody is on this Q&A. Nobody comes in. And then all of a sudden we see like, ping, a person comes in. And it's like, could you just imagine if you were that person? So this guy hops in and he's like, oh, hi. And we're like, do you have a question? Ask a question. Ask me any question. It was a really great question. Bless his heart. But it was so awkward to have just him and like myself and six members of the team. So again, major lesson learned. The lesson in this experience was that, hey, we really only needed to host one, maybe two Q&A sessions for people who were sitting on the fence of whether or not they were going to join. We learned that there wasn't a demand to host like four or five as we had originally planned. But this is a really great way to ensure that people who are debating about joining your program or your course or buying something, you know, this is a great way to show that you're listening and you're there to serve them well. So I say it was a total learning. I think it was only beneficial. What I learned from it is continue doing them, but maybe not do them multiple times a day. (laughs) Okay, so- The second thing we did after reducing our ad spend was we made a fun team dance video in the middle of the week. I was trying to think of something fun and creative to engage our audience in a new way when I decided to ask our team to send me five seconds of a clip of them dancing. Okay, not only is everybody so busy during launch week and everybody's a tiny bit stressed and running all these different directions, I decide to go and say, hey, can you just record yourself dancing? I need this video like ASAP. Mm, Okay. Yes, I did that. 
I did not because I was noticing that there was so much rhetoric. There was so much heaviness out online that it almost felt weird for me to be promoting something during, at least here in the United States, it's rather a polarizing time when it comes to politics. And I was like, you know what we need? We need to dance. And so everybody's stressed out. And I'm like, y'all dance, dance, dance your way to sending me a video. And here's the thing. I got their clips. I threw it into a video editing app on my phone and I compiled a short dance video and I just invited people to join. And actually the video did really well. On Instagram alone, there's over 13,000 views, which is not bad for a promotional video. And it has a lot of comments from people saying that like, this is why they love Social Curator. People love Social Curator because it's personal and it's fun and how approachable the team is. I think that other people who happen to read comments, there's comments like best team ever, or you guys make me laugh. This is so much fun. Like this was exactly the type of push that the team and I needed during a really exhausting week. And it was a great effort to push people towards enrolling without being so salesy mm, before the doors closed in 2021. So what lesson can you take away from this? Yes, you will have your promotional post ready for your business, but always leave room for the unexpected. When possible, ask others to join you to create fun in times of stress. So by now, let's take a little bit of a breather. Here we are talking about the hot messes, but I feel like we learn a lot in the mess, right? You've heard what our launches look like, what our goals were, our biggest challenges and what we did to combat it. Well, what's left? Well, I'd say the results are the only thing I would like to share with you in this behind the scenes episode. As I mentioned earlier, this is our biggest launch of Social Curator, but surprisingly, it wasn't in the way that we had expected. Because remember those good, better, best goals? Remember, it was 3,000, it was 3,750, and it was 4,500 new members. Like that was, those were goals. Um, and when enrollment closed to Social Curator at 5 p.m. on October 9th, we had welcomed 2,615 new members. Yeah, we didn't hit our goals, but it was still the biggest launch we had ever done because we more than doubled the amount of annual members that joined our community. And this caused us to bring in more revenue during this launch than we have ever done in any launch before. So if you're not familiar, Social Curator is a monthly subscription or you can pay annually and you get extra bonuses and you save money for doing that. And in this particular launch, so many people were ready to say, I'm committed for the full year. That changed our revenue dramatically. So I believe that this just proves that God or whatever you believe in works in mysterious ways. None of us could have predicted that we would win in this way. Like none of us would have guessed that we would have exceeded our revenue goals without hitting our new member count. Though we did have a 20% increase in ad prices, right? And then we decided we're like, we're not paying for those ads. We can't afford it. Like, we had like a high show up rate on our master classes, like people showing up and wanting to engage. One of another high point was that JD had sent everybody on our team. He sent everybody. Now we have a virtual team. We live all over the United States and he sent everybody pizza for lunch. And we celebrated via Zoom, all of us like eating pizza, just expressing appreciation for all the people who were joining. The best way to describe my feelings after this launch was proud. 
I was very proud. Our October launch was a milestone because we learned a lot about the business and our team and what it means to succeed. The way our team showed up and pushed forward toward our goals, like I just have to say it was impressive and it was inspiring and it gave me life. JD and I are so honored to work alongside the most powerhouse, kind, hilarious, hardworking team members. I think I summed up the feeling the best during our post-launch team meeting and our podcast manager, Christy, asked me a very important question. I have a question for Jasmine about this launch. Are you happy? Are you proud? How do you feel? I don't think I've been more proud of the team. I don't think I could have been. I, I, my, my mentor asked, did you play the game you wanted to play? I said, yes. And he says, could you look back and think that you did, you could have done anything different or the team could have done anything different than you would outside of plan? And I said, no. And he said, one of the things that you told me last year was that your commitment was to be committed to the work and not committed to the outcome. And I just look at the team and I think we were committed to the effort. We can't control the outcome. And I'm disillusioned by our success. I've been so sullied. People look at us and they're like, oh my God, you guys got how many people? That's incredible. And I'm like, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. But I always like to do more and more and more. And people are like, whoa, like, what are you talking about? And so I don't think I could have been more proud. I don't think I could have learned more lessons. And um, going into the next launch, I just feel like the way that we define our goals are going to look entirely different. And I'm so thankful for that. And we got everything we positively needed to end 2020 better than we ended 2029. So that says a lot about this year, like a hell of a lot. And this is a lot about the team. So happy is an, the massive understatement, but it's a word that I'll choose right now because it's pretty dang incredible what we're doing with such a small team. So yeah. Good. Good. I'm glad to hear that. Thank you. Well, friend, that concludes my behind the scenes recap of Social Curator's biggest launch yet. Before I go, are you ready for some tough love? I know, I know. It wouldn't be an episode of the Jasmine Star Show without a little love bomb kick in the pants. Okay, here's a lesson I learned from the one and only Oprah Winfrey about comparing yourself to others that I wanna pass along to you. When Oprah was beginning to build up her business, there were others who came along and did something similar to what she was doing. There was other people who were building very similar talk shows to her. And this caused other people to start comparing her to them. Oprah painted like the perfect picture when she said that she put on blinders. You know, like blinders, like the blinders that horses wear, so it blocks out their peripheral vision. She said that she put on blinders so she could stay focused on what was ahead of her. So it's time to buck up and put on those blinders. Yes, I am talking to you. I know I just spent this entire episode talking about my business, but now that you've learned the lessons that I passed on to you, I want you to take your eyes off my business or somebody else's business, anybody else's business, and focus what's in front of you. And that's your business. I like to think that a key factor in Oprah's like massive success is due to the fact that she didn't compare herself to others. She made the commitment to focus on herself and not allow her competition to impede, impinge, or dissuade her from doing what she was meant to do. And this is what I want you to do too. Could we all stand to be a little bit more like Oprah? I mean, I think so. I think so. So don't waste your time focusing on what other people say or do. You can't control them. 
You can only control you. The fact is somebody could do the exact same thing that you do in the exact same way, but it won't have the same effect on others merely because they aren't you. It's time to stop comparing yourself to others. The comparison game doesn't have any winners. And whoever does the comparing, they lose. And where you choose to focus is where your attention goes. If you have an outward focus, you don't have a proactive mindset putting you a step behind your competition. By turning your focus inward, your time and your energy will mirror that. I encourage you to look at yourself and focus on the ways that you can show up and serve people well in your own unique way. And just don't take my word for it. If it were for Oprah, it could work for you, right? I'm gonna wrap up this tough love session with some wise words from Oprah. You don't become what you want, you become what you believe. Mm. Thank you, Oprah. Believe that you are enough, no matter what anybody else says, because I believe it and I think you should too. So until next time, keep hustling, keep dreaming, keep on doing, and I will talk to you soon. Mm.